I am on the way to JFK to meet Reed for our high school reunion, and um, he called me earlier but didn't leave a message, and so then I called him back and he didn't pick up, which is to be expected. <laughs> so hopefully he's going to uh, get there, and um, then we'll take it from there. I went to sign us in. Uh, or check us in, whatever, like, online for American Airlines. And uh, when I bought the tickets, I clearly bought the tickets together. Uh, and then as I checked us in, our seats are not together. And if I wanted us to have seats together, I'd have to pay another $45. So fuck you, American Airlines. And um, fuck you all airlines, actually. Hi, it's Reed. So I'm on the air train. I'm listening to Europeans. Sounds like German. Um... And uh, it's all very tight. Things uh, takes a long time to get to JFK, as, as it turns out. Um, Jack might not make the flight. Josh is uh, just not coming. He doesn't want to get sick. Um, Jack is in a cab trapped behind a truck. I'm on the air train running pretty late. Um, we're not off to a good start. I tried to cut my own hair in the bathroom five minutes before I left the house, and might have been a bad idea, but, you know, we'll see. We'll see how it settles. But there's going to be a lot of humidity this weekend, and and as you know, it's not great for hair like mine. Um, it's been a weird day. I went to the Center for Ballet and the Arts thinking I was going to stay for a while and work, but then the plane was basically an hour earlier than I thought it was, and so then I just ran home and packed, and it's going to be cold and rainy there, which I love, but then means, you know, I had to pull sweaters out from winter storage, and uh, it's all going to be fine. I have this fear that I'm not going to know anyone there, or I'm not going to recognize anybody. I have to take this train all the way to Terminal 8. Maybe Terminal 8 will be first. I think that does happen from time to time, where it goes counter or clockwise, counterclockwise. I don't know. This is a voice memo. So, um, initially I thought it was going to be really embarrassing to record, like people were going to be looking at me and just talking at my phone, but no one cares. The future is here, and it's now, and, you know, everyone on this, uh, on this monorail might be, um, podcasting for all I know. Anyways, I'm a mill, a mill, any ill, and, uh... That's all I have to say for the moment. When I see Jack, I have total faith that he is going to make it. He's going to be flustered and furious from being in a cab that made some bad choices. But then we're going to calm down. I'm going to buy headphones because I forgot them. It's going to be a short flight to Chicago or Detroit. I don't know. We have a long layover. Then we're going to go to... I'm just imagining we're going to go to, like, P.F. Chang's and get, like, you know, lettuce wraps. Um, or, or Orange Julius and have a, have a smoothie or a Cinnabon. Wouldn't that be nice? I can just smell it now. Okay. Goodbye, everybody. 
Okay, we made it. We're at the gate. Hi, everybody. At, hey. Oh, my God, hey. It's what's going on with dance and it's stuff. It's what's going on with dance and stuff. goes to their high school reunion. Goes to, yeah, we really just made it. We're, we're getting on a flight to Chicago. Uh-huh. It wasn't really like a home alone moment. We weren't. I was running a little bit, but I wasn't sprinting through the airport. Like, once I got in the security line, I knew it was going to be okay. Yeah, once I got in the security line, it was going to be okay. That ride, that ride, which was supposed to take a half hour, took an hour for me because... Wow. Well, he was like, There's I'm a bird in the terminal. Well, of course. We're in this, like, shithole JFK, surrounded by these garbage people. You it's know what so I like? hideous. I like an airport like the Traverse City Airport, where, oh, yeah. like, the most that'll be ever be in there is, like, 16 people. Exactly. And it also feels like you could walk right out onto the tarmac to get on your flight. Yeah. I miss that. Like, that's what I want. But then you have to live in Traverse City. I would never want to live there. I'd shoot myself in the head. <laughs> I we lived handle there it. for four years. Well, but different. It was different. It's, it's so I mean, different. I lived there for I four years. I mean, it was really like also we were, you know, children being like, oh, I'm going to go to the, you know, studio or I'm going to like go to the mall and watch a movie. It wasn't like, hi, I'm an adult and I'm going to like oh the grocery God. store. I'm going to the gun shop. Oh, honey, yeah. I would be. Yeah, or like, I'm, you're either going to the gun shop or the like fireworks depot. <laughs> 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 oh, it's so for real. Um, um, yeah, so we, but we made it. We got here yeah, in time. Yeah, I, I went to Hudson News. They've rebranded, I guess, a while ago. They shouldn't have, because their uh, old cursive used to be very nice, and now it's some ugly font. Everything's so ugly. It's, like, so, I, it's, like, so awful. I, one, like, traveling by air. I remember as a child, I think you could still smoke on airplanes when I was taking flights as a child. But it was a time you could, as I said earlier, walk under the tarmac, not just be, like, Overwhelmed. I feel like this is going to be the worst audio ever. No, it's going to be great. Who wants to be in an airport or even think they're in an airport? So, like, listening to, like, the beeping thing of, like, that that truck's coming down behind us, that golf cart that takes old people to their gate. I used to go on it all the time as an unaccompanied minor because our mom used to just throw us on a plane when I was, like, three years old and be like, see you in two months. To where? Idaho. Oh, wow. Yeah. Unaccompanied minors. And whenever you have a layover as an unaccompanied minor, they take you to this room... With That's all fun. the unaccompanied minors, and you oh, don't talk what? to them because you're shy. What? But it's like a special room where they keep the kids locked up so that they don't escape or whatever. That's amazing. Yeah. I, that sounds like a whole like plot for a movie. Did you never fly in a company? No, no, no. I mean, my mother, I remember the first time, I remember the first time I was getting on a plane, and my mom turned around from the front seat, and she said, you're a very cute kid, and someone's probably going to want to try and take you. <laughs> so if anyone picks you up who you don't know, just like reach for their eyes and scream. Wow. Yeah. Reach for their eyes. Yeah, she was like, claw their eyes out and scream at the top of your lungs. Mm, okay. And I was like, okay, mom. And my dad was probably like, Dorothy. I um I had trouble sleeping last night, I think. Oh, because, because you were so excited for well, a reunion. It was a little bit of excitement and also because my... My, I was a little excited. I was a little anxious because I had just talked to my mom and she was crying because her brother's sick. So um, it's too that bad. was so I was like, it was a mixture of feelings. Uh-huh. And then this morning, I got to do this incredible thing, where I got to go and watch the tech rehearsal for David's David Hallberg's new commission at Fall for Dance, which is choreographed by Mark Morris. Uh huh. And I mean, what David's a privilege, in it? David Hallberg. It's a solo for David. That oh, Mark made by Mark. Oh, yeah. That's how, how beautiful. And, oh my, Jack, I wept. I was crying. Wow. wow. It was like exactly like all the right things at the uh, right time. I 
he looked beautiful. He has an Isaac Mizrahi costume on that's just like so correct. And like, uh-huh. he looks like a little androgynous. And it's like these 10 little sections to Britain piano music. And Colin Fowler, speaking of IAA alums, was playing piano. He's the uh-huh. music director at Mark Morris. But uh-huh. he was. Oh, hello. Uh, I, it's so hideous. Wait, Colin. is this us? This is us. Oh, they definitely don't even have the aircraft. I think we're going to make like, it. We, like, rushed here, and they're like, sorry, there's no aircraft here. Oh, wow. Uh, clearly. That's okay, because... Well, we have, thank 10 God. 10 or 15 minutes. We have a huge layover in Chicago. Yeah, yeah, well, that's why I booked us that huge layover. The last time I went to Interlochen, I missed my my flight. Because of fucking Delta, another fucking airline I hate. Well, I mean, it's and just all airlines. It's all trash. And, but I flew the people, Emirates once. How was that? To, wait, to Interlochen? No, to Dubai and then Japan. Okay, well, that sounds they wonderful. They have a night sky. Yeah, yeah, when, that's fine. When the that's lights beautiful. go out, the sky twinkles. Mm. The roof of the plane, like stars. That's nice. Isn't that nice? That is nice. Um, the first class passengers from that plane I was on made it. They made it to the connecting flight to Traverse City, and I didn't. <laughs> Anyone who was in coach didn't make it. That's it incredible. was a real. Like, they didn't wait. No, nope, they were like, they were like poor. Yeah, they were like, we got our rich people on. Gotta go. Bye. And then I had a three-hour wait. Oh, amazing. Yeah, and I, I took to Twitter. Wait, I'd what heard... were we? Oh, Colin Fowler. All right, Colin was Fowler, playing right, the Britain right. pieces mm. for David. Mm. He graduated the year after me. He was an organ uh-huh. major at Interlock and four-year senior like me. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, God, it was. I feel so lucky that I got to see it because we're away for the performances and it's all sold out anyways and I f- and then David and I um, took the train together and then we like were on the street talking about it and then we just both cried together for a little while at how like extraordinary it is that like he's he's okay now and now he's doing this like really smart work and we kind of like went through his hideous injury together in this way you really did well because I kind of made it happen you did not <laughs> i get how he blamed you for it I he mean, didn't blame me but well, it, like in a subconscious way i'm sure well, he of was course furious. i would too right um but anyway we'll so that was extraordinary story yeah that would be fun mm. um drew wants to be on she's listening to the podcast and I know, she's been texting me you no know, it's fun she texted me like this morning being like i'm listening to this and laughing so hard now i'm sad no yeah. one here is funny and i just wrote back europe is not funny well that's what i wrote to her the other day and i think pointing it out wasn't wasn't great because she was like, I'm here and it's fine. And I was like, yeah, Europe's good. But unfortunately, people don't have senses of humor. They really don't. And it was weird because I was thinking today, I was like, is it Jeremy and I were talking? And he was like, well, maybe it's this aristocracy thing. And I was like, but I've met really funny people from the UK. And the people in Australia were really funny. Really in Melbourne. Funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. so I was like, it's just this like thing about... The mainland. Europe that's really like not funny. It's I know. like really like, Isabelle Huppert is hilarious, but she doesn't can, know it. Can you imagine? Well <laughs> I mean, I think there's I think there's ways in which we view sort of like as us, particularly as like queer Americans view like extreme drama with a lot of hilarity. Mm-hmm. Like I can't I have no I can't like go down that road of like someone really feeling those feelings. I'm like, okay. I've been through worse. So it's all <laughs> kind of it funny. Isn't it hilarious that Is she's it... being raped as that kitty watches her? <laughs> oh, that. I didn't... I didn't laugh at any point, and and those during L. But I, I mean, but L is a comedy. But I that's did a Paul lot Verhoeven. of exasperated hand raises during L. Like, okay, yeah, all I, right. I, I well, we've talked about this already. I don't want to bore people with my experience of L. It was a delayed reaction for me. I had to watch it again on a screener after my dad died to really appreciate it. <laughs> um, on dad death, I think we'll kind of 
wrap up there for right now because I need to charge my phone and we'll get back to you later. We're going to interlock in. Yes. Okay, it's the morning. Hello, I'm into the covers. It's 8.13. It's, um... We went to bed at, like, 2.30. Uh-huh, because uh, we stayed up talking with our friend Matt, Matt Lindstrom. Lindstrom. We're in his house. Uh, we he's, heard his baby. He's on dance and theater faculty at uh-huh. Interlock, and we've uh-huh. known him for years. He takes care of us. He's our daddy. Oh, he just needs... Bless you, Dad! <laughs> And he's married to Emily Modrell, who's the fiercest of the fierce. She's, she's she was a trumpet major when we were there at Interlochen, and then she like got a doctorate and stuff. And so, anyways, she she took the right route, and now she has a beautiful daughter Jane, who we're about to meet. We're, we're gonna, gonna hear her. We're gonna hear her. We both we both had the experience of waking up and not knowing where we were, totally disoriented, and being. I was really like, I'm at I'm at Bard. No, I'm not. I'm in my apartment. No, and then I was like, okay, I'm um, I'm oh, in my <gasps> like it's oh, look, it's, it's Emily and the baby. Emily. We're recording oh for the pod. Come over here, Emily. Come here. Come here. Look at Jane. Jane, hi. This you're gonna be on the podcast. The podcast. <gasps> Emily, come down here. Give us, give us, give us <laughs> hugs. Oh my God, it's so good to see you. So to see you. <gasps> hi, baby. Oh, you're so beautiful. You're so oh, cute. Do you have stranger danger? No, you, you're excited. Hi, cutie. Oh, oh you're so shy. sweet. Oh my gosh, Jane's she's beautiful. so she beautiful. She to find two men sleeping in the living But look, Jane, <laughs> wonders abound. Really? Wow. Wow, Jane. Miracles can happen. Uh, wow, read. Good morning. That is so <laughs> crazy. <laughs> what is wrong with you? It's the first one of the day. <laughs> Get it all Like, up. you didn't even Better have, like... You didn't even have, like, water or anything. You just woke up and did that. We're about to have ruby tea. What's it called? You're going to have Ruba's tea. Rubis. I'm going to have coffee. Um, I literally didn't bring anything of importance. I didn't bring... <laughs> I somehow left my razor, my shaving cream, my hair product, oh, my wow. contacts. And yet my... you managed to bring, like, six different serums. You'll oh, see yeah. <laughs> I do slather my face in serums. So I did bring those important things, but I didn't... It's going to be a glasses weekend. No contacts, yeah. no toothbrush. Didn't bring that. <laughs> what is it, Jane? Tell me everything. Tell me all the secrets of, of where you just came from. When you warm up, you might even say hi. <gasps> hi? Yeah. You might say hi to me? Say it. Say it. You might say hi to me? Hi, 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 hi. That would be hi. amazing. <laughs> I can tell she loves me. She especially loves me. All babies love me because they have a giant head and a stick body like them. <laughs> That's what she thought. She's like, we're both like, ugh. Emily, the first love that we're seeing. uh, Emily. Hooray! It has begun. It has begun. Let the festivities commence. Yeah. Did you, were you awakened by the yelling? No. Oh, good. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That's when I was extremely disoriented. I was like. Somebody's yelling. I don't know where I am. You were like, what's that cute sound? You look just like Sleeping Beauty, like as a baby. You're so cute. She's gorgeous. They should have cast you in that movie because you're far cuter, Jane. 
Oh, you're so adorable. I can't stand it. I feel the same about you. Oh, Jin, you're so cute. We all love you. Oh. Oh. All right. Well, it's not good for the children. Well, don't show her Instagram yet. But I'm going to take a photo of her <laughs> no, right now. Right now. For the travelogue. For the travelogue. We're going to get to the travelogue. And we'll be back later with what's going on with dance and stuff's high school reunion. Okay, and we're here at Interlochen. Hi, Interlochen. We're in it. Star log, star date, 10, 11, 17. It's, it's echoing something. because we're in Kresge we're Auditorium. In Kresge, we're the, looking out at the sea. Well, yes, the wavy lake under the from the wind. It's perfectly gray outside, just like just it is from October <laughs> to May here at Interlochen. I had to oh do a lot of sitting in front of seasonal depression lamps when I went to this school. I was just like, this seems right for my personality. <sighs> I was like, I'm asleep. Uh, I and remember I had to do those lamps. I would put on this bathrobe that my mother had given me that was like an old bathrobe of hers. So it was like a woman's white bathrobe. And I'd walk around my dorm reciting Ophelia's lines from Hamlet. And she'd be like, it's real life. We just went to check in. in. We checked in and we were talking to this guy. And he was a young man. A young man who said, weren't you in Ballet 422? Oh, he asked if I was in that movie. Uh Uh-huh. And and then I said, what's your name? And he said, Cole. (laughs) But (laughs) I said. Jack goes, Hole? <laughs> and I was like, no. I thought he said his name was Hole. Hole. But it was Cole. <laughs> and then it was so, it was, it was what it was. He um, was starstruck. He was starstruck by you. Yes, exactly. <laughs> from the, from Palais I was like, are you involved in dance? He was like, no. And I was like, that seems impossible that you'd watch that Not movie. You watch. <laughs> <laughs> it was so crazy. Uh, I remember like Kumi running. Anyhow, we don't need to get into stories that no one knows. They'll be no. like, that's so boring. I used to stand but, right on that stage and sing with Tiffany. And, really? By yeah. yourselves? Yes. Just to nobody. Because the, the acoustics are so fun in here. They are fun. I did um, Princess Ida in here. Here, hold the microphone to the ceiling and I'll show them. Okay, we're going to hold the microphone to the ceiling and we're going to do acoustics. Did I don't you, know if you, you hear can that? hear that. I thought you were going to sing like... Oh, that was me. Did that you was hear me. that? <laughs> Beautiful, my beautiful tones. (laughs) Did you love? It's so wonderful. We're interlocking. We really are. Well, we're gonna walk around and try to discover more alumni. The ones we've seen so far, I do have never seen them, and some of them look extremely old. We just passed this really old woman, and we go, "She was in my class." (laughs) (laughs) We laughed and left. No, we've seen these people, and it's like no idea, no No, clue. I'm literally gonna be staring at name tags and the numbers because there's several different classes here. What's so intense is the name tags flip over. And it's like, uh-oh. The lady gave Jack his name tag, and she was like, 20 years. Great. Oh, it was so <laughs> painful. And it, and <laughs> the glee you got years. out of it. The glee you got out of well, that was so rude. Well, it's mine, too. And, then, but it's, and I can stick it on, the tag. Like, it's like this green thing that says 20 years. and you can our numbers stick it on tonight. It. Oh, like should, I should it. be like, can I have a 10, please? <laughs> I'm going to be like, uh, seven. Uh, what year would be good for me? Like, 65? Oh, you want to get in one that says longer. You want to get one that says a lot longer. Yeah. I want to get one that's like, this is just my 10th year. I'm 28. <laughs> no big deal. I'm just, I'm an emerging artist. <laughs> 
Raf Shaban Burke's article she just wrote, like, Emerging Choreographers. Did you read that? She's like, why do we keep saying this when these people are, like, 40? Oh, my God. People also, getting emerging choreographer things. I just read this long like Instagram post. People mm-hmm. are just, like, really talking about this Times Are Erasing thing. And Alistair uh, posted today this The Times Are Erasing or Alexi? Or both? Both, because uh-huh. they're on the same program right now. Oh, so uh-huh, back to back. And Alexei basically, I mean, Alistair was kind of like, so Times Are Erasing happened and this gay thing happened. and. Uh-huh. Fine, fine, fine. It's all been happening for 20 years. Oh, Alistair. Yeah. Well, and he I was mean, like, but hello. in this context, fine. It's important. But sure. And then he was like, the music's awful. A lot wow. of the dance is not great. And, wow. he, and then he was like, and Alexei's dance is kind of brilliant. Anyways. Wow. <laughs> oh, my God. I was like, yikes, 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 yikes. It's all so, it's really just like. It's such a who cares me right now. I'm just like, ugh, God. Well, we'll we'll get into it another time. But like, okay, you guys, we're just, gonna wow. go we like to try to find people because I'm really kind of I'm a little nervous now. You're like, nervous? oh God. Well, I'm just scared About to like what? see people for the because we haven't seen one person except Emily that we know. Uh huh. But that's fine. We're here for us. I know. It wouldn't it be amazing if we never saw one person mm-hmm. we recognize mm-hmm. the whole time. Well, people have written us on like Facebook and Instagram, and we should like try to find them. Okay. Um, all right. Well, we'll check back in with you later. Uh, okay, bye. Let's be real here. It's not, no, it's not like a gossip okay. column. It's, um, it's, our podcast is called What's Going On With Dance and Stuff, and we talk about mm-hmm. what's going on with dance and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was so, it was so lovely to meet you today at lunch, and so I wanted to have you on because you were part of, I mean, what's, so here we had Peter Sperling. Sparling. Sparling, sorry. They, here we uh, with Peter Sparling. It used to be, uh, it used to come up as Peter Sparkling, or even better, <laughs> P- Peter Spiraling. That would be the oh, default on the early laptop or computer. Spiraling. Was Peter, Word was process. Peter Spiraling. Peter, Peter well, Spiraling. Well, also there's the spiral in Graham, oh my lest God. we forget. My favorite part of it all. Was when really spiral. From I graduated from Interlochen Arts Academy in 1969. I had come here as a violinist, and uh, my this as soon as I arrived, I was told that I had to take phys ed unless I wanted dance. to do an introduction to dance class yes. to get right. out of gym. And I said, right. "Hell yes, I would, anything to get myself out of gym class." Yeah. And uh, I, I stood at the bar and was told to stand in second position. I said, what is second position? And then they said, well, then bend your knees. And they gasped because I had turnout. And And then, of course, I said, what does turnout mean? And then, of course, the rest is... Uh, history. History. Were you a freshman? But I came came my 10th grade year, and I was a violinist for two years. Serious violinist. Uh, but then one thing led to the next, the dance, the introduction to dance class led to being a dance minor, and then I choreographed a, a little trio at the end of my junior year, performed it in the dance building, and uh, the audience applauded, went wild, and this <sighs> bolt of light went down through my body and to the floor, and I was like, this is what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. And so <sighs> I became a dance major. For your senior year. My parents... At first, balked, but then they were told that I would get a larger scholarship as a male dancer, and so that that seemed to help things along. Did you a bit. continue your violin studies? No, I pretty much gave it up. Wow! Um, but the musical, the music background, has been invaluable—a very deep part of my understanding of movement. And uh, I've I've worked with composers in music, and also I think it helped me understand uh, 
Martha's work, Jose yeah. Limon's work, the works that I did at Juilliard, and, and then, of course, in uh, working with composers, uh, choreographing my own works. Oh, yeah, music. Of yeah. course. Who of your course. You went to Juilliard after Interlochen, and who were your teachers? Uh, Juilliard, uh, you know, at, in the, at that time, Juilliard was very much known as Ballet, Graham, Humphrey Limon. That was it. Although I went to New York aspiring towards uh, being a Cunningham dancer. Merce was my mm. god. Mm. Uh, but going to Juilliard, I learned very quickly that there was no Cunningham. It, you, it had to be Limon or Graham. Interesting. So I, I, I studied under uh, Betty Jones, Danny Lewis, uh, and of the Graham folks, it was... Uh, Oh, let's see. Helen McGee, Kazuko Hirabayashi, Ethel Winter, on occasion Moss Cohen or and Bertram Ross. We danced Diversion of Angels. We danced There Is a Time. Uh, my third year at Juilliard, uh, Jose asked me into his company, and uh, I was with the Jose Limon company for two years. The last years that Jose was alive. Was Anthony oh, Tudor still doing the ballet program at Juilliard? Indeed, Mr. Tudor. I took his wow. dance class. And he he was. Uh, perhaps the most uh, feared and yeah. uh, uh, we were all awestruck of him and yeah. uh, uh, I, I have such vivid memories of his teaching methodology and just the way he stood and carried on and he was very wicked very wicked and witty and could just drill right into you I remember once I had a really rough summer, and I, it was my first acid trip, and I had a really bad, no, my second acid trip. It was a really bad trip, and uh, it, it just was a sordid kind of end of the summer. So there I was at the bar the first day at Juilliard, my third year, and Mr. Tudor walks past me, and, and he looks at me, and he says, oh, so what happened to you? <laughs> I mean, he could read people. Yeah. I remember him t teaching me how to do a pirouette. He said, all right, Peter, stand in fifth position. Extend your leg to the side, tendu to the side, rond de jambe, plie in fourth position, and do one pirouette, of course, in his British accent. And, I, and it was like, you know, it was like a Zen master telling me what to do. And I was just, I went into this altered state of like, just doing it, pure doing it. And I did it, and I did a perfect pirouette, balanced, and then came down in fifth. And it was like, and of course, I was thinking, what in the fuck just happened? And he just looked at me and said, well, aren't you proud of yourself? Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Yay. Yay. He was yeah. terrific. Yeah. Um, but you, did Alfredo you, kind, Corvino, did, you con did you continue Oh, wow, the Corvino. With, Mr. With Corvino, Corvino was a saint, of course. He yeah. was just the kindest sweetest, most gentle person. And the Corvino sisters are still... Indeed they are. I would, I'd studied around. at Alfredo's studio there on 8th Avenue. Um, did you stop doing any kind of Cunningham training at that point? I never did Cunningham training. Oh, you didn't? It was you here at Interlochen that I, I looked up Merce in the, in the library and began reading about him and became infatuated, fascinated by yeah. his philosophy. A composer here Paul Epstein. Uh, Paul and I did our senior concert here at Interlochen together, and we we emulated Merce and John, John yeah. in that uh, Paul composed a score, I composed a dance autonomously, and it was called it was called Environments One and Two. Yes. <laughs> so so it was an era. 
it was an era. But no, I was fascinated with Merce and. Uh, the but then you ended up being in Graham and Lamone. Graham and Lamone at the same time. Well, yeah, this was the Juilliard tradition uh, uh, that I was drawn into and working under Jose, dancing Day on Earth, being coached by Jose, uh, was a, was a life-changing experience. Uh, uh, my first realization that I was not only creating a career for myself, but I was inheriting a legacy. It was yeah. a responsibility that I was embodying a role made on Jose. Jose was passing it on to me, and inevitably I would be passing on this to other generations, that mm-hmm. this was, I, it was something much bigger than just my ego. Mm-hmm. And it was humbling, but it was uh, uh, also uh, something that inspired me deeply. No, it made me know that I was into something that I really loved and it was gonna be deeply meaningful. Um, yeah, um, so my fourth year, Janet Elber and I had both been in the Juilliard Dance Ensemble production of Diversion of Angels, um, and our teachers asked the two of us to join what was being called the Martha Graham Apprentice Company. Bertram Ross and Mary Hinkson had been get, given a grant uh, with Lee Leatherman, who was the manager of Graham at the time, to start an apprentice company, and this was while Martha was still in the hospital. They needed to keep things going, yeah. despite mm-hmm. the fact that the company was not touring. So a group of us young ones began learning the repertory. I remember doing studio uh, performances of seraphic dialogue, mm-hmm. of secular games, of diversion of angels, in Battle Garden. I remember learning El Penitente and dancing with oh, Clive wow. Thompson and Takako. Uh, I remember being taught roles by Bert and Mary. Uh-huh. So it was an incredible time. And I was told by Martha Hill at Juilliard not to tell Jose that I was dancing with Martha. Right. And then, um, nor should I tell the grand people that I was dancing with Jose, because this was transgression. Yeah. I, I could not be a member of both camps. And you were still at Juilliard. And I was still a senior So Juilliard. your body was like, <laughs> I'm so exhausted. It, it was... <laughs> Um, but so exciting that it and rather schizophrenic, but yeah. but I was eager and hungry and right. uh, uh, greedy. So greedy. you'd go to class during the day at Juilliard, mm-hmm. and then you would go take the crosstown bus to Martha's uh-huh. on Sixty Third Street, Sixty Third Street, right. East Sixty Third, and then come back to rehearse with Jose's company and tour uh, with Jose's company. And, and Jose, how, it's amazing they didn't find out, like because of like the paper. You know, or, I think people knew, but they just didn't say anything. Uh-huh. They were um, like, "He's so good, we'll just let it slide." Well, wouldn't that? Yes, that that's what I would hope. <laughs> that was the case. Uh, Jose uh, died in uh, December of '72. The Lamone Company was in Hawaii at the time. I remember we were in the parking lot outside the theater and we were told that Jose died and what did he uh, die I broke from? down in tears in Clay Taliaferro's arms I remember mm-hmm. that he died of prostate cancer was it and no was one it knew quick? about it, it was a, so I it was think a it, it was happening over a year or so mm. but at that time people didn't talk about it right and so we didn't know at least I didn't know probably the senior company members knew so um, Again, I was learning what it meant to have these pioneers, these masters, grow old and pass, and right. what that meant to those who were inheriting these legacies. And what it was just at the beginning of trying to figure that out. Of course, now we look back at Cunningham, Graham, Lamone, so many 
uh, Tricia, people mm-hmm. of the past, and how how companies have handled it or not. Yeah, um, it's a it's real divergence yeah. in terms of how companies have handled it and looked to deal with these legacies. Yes, were indeed. you still in the company, Graham, when she passed away, or she was still? No, Martha came out of the hospital. Um, Martha didn't die until Late 91. 72, early oh. 73, and decided she wanted to start the company. Of course, the story is that Ron Protoss was holding her hand in the hospital room, and she woke up and turned to Ron and said, I'm going to start a company, and you are going to help me. I mean, that's the <sighs> legend we were spoon-fed. From um, Ron. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, uh, there's yeah. other stories. I'm sure Christine <laughs> and Therese would have different I'm sure they would. stories on that. <laughs> I'm sure they would. But anyways, it was Ron who from that point on was holding her hand and right. finding her funding and uh, in various ways trying to keep this company going, uh, promoting this whole idea of celebrity, this idea that we young ones in the company were going to be Martha's stars, that she was right. going to make stars of us because that's how the system was. Stars um, and dance. So yes, mm-hmm. I Stars and modern yeah, dance. I was fortunate <laughs> to work with Martha from 73... I left the company, the, the Lamone company, after a summer residency at the American... Uh, Dance Festival? No, it was at American University Wolf Trap. Uh-huh. Oh. Uh, I was there with my then-girlfriend, Shelley Washington, who ended up... Uh, who actually was taking classes at the same summer program with Twyla Tharp, because Twyla was in residence. So Shelley would... would um, uh, was there as part of the Limon company? We were doing uh, Jose's Misa Brevis mm-hmm. that summer, so it needed a, a larger cast. But Shelley was on the sly studying with Twyla. And, and uh, long story short, just to jump ahead, uh, tw- uh, Shelley, after one year at Juilliard, auditioned for Martha's company and uh, joined the company for a year, joined us on the Asian tour, and then. Uh, Twyla asked her into her company, so Shelley then joined Twyla's company. Uh, lots of little stories that weave in and out of this kind of 73, 74, 75. Uh, Martha um, was a force. She, was, uh, she had an astounding presence and a command. She was, I think, still kind of finding herself. Uh, she was trying to negotiate along with Ron how to manage the senior members of the company, the people who had known her and had been with her for decades, and then these younger ones. It was Peggy Lyman, Tim Wengard, Janet Elber, myself, among others. Then this kind of intermediary group of Takako Asakawa, uh, Yuriko Kimura, uh, David Hatch-Walker, so there were uh, Diane Gray. There were were kind of three generations Mm -hmm. that were part of the company at the time. And Gradually, what happened over a period of four or five years was that it became apparent that there was a gradual kind of pushing out of the senior members. Wow. Uh, and there were power struggles mm-hmm. and, act- and, and actually some deep divisions in terms of allegiance to Martha and Ron's place, uh, Ron coming between uh, these old, ancient uh, ancestral <laughs> allegiances being severed. So we young ones were kind of watching that from the side, waiting for our chances to assume the big roles. Right, right. And uh, so it was both 
uh, reverence and awe to our to these role models, Mary, Bert, Helen, etc. But at the same time, this eagerness to step in. There's and always to have someone our younger and glory. hungrier exactly. coming down the stairs behind you. So the moments when the casting went up and when a senior member suddenly got as got the knife in his back and the next day they were no longer there. I mean, there were wow. some there were always dramas. Always dramas. Of course in the Graham Company. And it was a different I mean, this different time too of it being of there actually being a company, of of this of American company. The tour and tour around. I mean, they, the Graham Company does still, but mm-hmm. it's a different. But this was like during the National Endowment for the Arts. Time, it was the right? dance touring program. We, yep. I, I was, I was surfing on the on the wave. It was the dance boom. So I, um, I entered Martha's Company always with the intention of being an apprentice to the master. I, I wanted to get from. I wanted to figure out how she made these dances. I need, I needed to know more quite selfishly because my chief interest in the whole enterprise was as a choreographer. That's why I started dancing. And then shortly after I choreographed my first piece, I I figured out, oh, geez, I better learn how to dance. I guess it might help (laughs) if I was a dancer, too. Uh, So, yeah. um, Did she do creations on you while you were in the company? Yes. And I write about this in my memoirs uh, in great detail. These magical moments when uh, well well Janet Elber who's now the artistic director I don't think she'd mind my telling these stories Janet Elber and I uh, met here at Interlochen and we we were paired together here Mm -hmm. we then went to Juilliard and we're paired together again there Mm -hmm. Uh, we learned from William Hug who ran the dance program here what it meant to improvise Mm -hmm. and through Juilliard we danced together in our own little companies and we improvised well, when come 1975, 76, Martha was looking for fresh bodies to choreograph on. And I've got to say that Martha was trying to figure out how to make da- dances that held together without her presence being the centrifugal force on stage. She, she was trying to figure this out by what age was she then? She, she was, was what, 79, 80? 79 and trying to figure out at 79 wow. how to have the show without her as the centrifugal right. force. Because the, her board had asked her to stop dancing at 70? This must have been in the late 60s. Because yeah. it was when the board asked her to stop dancing that she went into the big binge and then went right. in, in terms of her alcoholism really tipped off. Right. at that point because she tried she was staying in at dancing all the way through like 60s and I think it was actually it was her 70s when the board was like you can no longer be on stage and that was when her alcoholism really put her into the hospital at that point and then the subsequent, yeah. the I subsequent mean, I, I'm, I'm glad in a way that I missed that I yes. never knew Martha well when you read about it it's right. so painful like the and as she writes in Blood Memory herself she never wanted to stop. And she never, hers was an opposite path. You were a maker who realized you should learn how to dance. She was a dancer who had to make work so mm-hmm. she could dance. Mm-hmm. Although, I, that is true to a certain extent, but I also think that she... Was an uh, auteur. She, yes, no. she, she learned how to construct dances with the help of Louis Horst, of course. Yes. I mean... She, and she attributes much of it to Louis. I mean, that's right. on record. Right. Um, 
But uh, she also, I think, took a great interest in constructing dances. That said, she always had the assistance of her chief dancers. I mean, there, there mm. was always uh, a give and take. And so by the time Janet and I were uh, our second or third year in the companies, Martha would uh, have Janet and me in the studio alone with her. She would be showing us images out of books. She would be playing us musical scores. She'd be giving us the inspiration, and then she would say, all right, I'm going to put the music on, improvise. And we wow. would improvise for her. In the vernacular of the company? Absolutely. Yeah, and this was, this was the, the thrill for me, was that my... my challenge to myself was okay we're going to I'm going to improvise in the vernacular but I'm going to push this as far as I can towards my own mm. uh, kind of vernacular right. my own uh, individual idiosyncrasies yeah. to see how much she'll let Allow. me go yeah. we would finish these improvisations maybe they'd last five minutes and then Martha would say alright I'm going to leave the studio. I'll leave the two of you alone. Try to remember what it was you did and put something together. <gasps> she would leave the studio, wow. hobble out, and uh, Janet and I would look at each other and say, "Okay, what did we just do? Okay, let's figure this out." And we'd we because we'd worked together so much, we'd put something together. Mm. Martha, 15 minutes later, would peer through the double doors of the downstairs studio. We'd see her little face, and she'd say, "Are you ready for me?" And she would. <laughs> hobble in and sit down and the music would go on and Janet and I would perform this kind of impromptu composition. <laughs> and then she said, okay, come and sit down. And she said, all right. Well, you didn't do this and I remember this and this. She had like a photographic memory. She said, I, I missed this. Remember, Peter, when you were leaning over Janet and I want to see that. She would reconstruct it. Mm. And then she would give it her syntax. She would say, mm -hmm. I need it to stop here. I need you to freeze frame there. I need an arrest. I need the impulse there. Mm -hmm. She would construct a duet. Mm -hmm. and um, But that wasn't the end of it. I mean, there were times in her new works where either the afternoon of the opening night, she would throw up her hands in frustration, walk out of the studio and say, okay, finish it. I've had it. I've, I've had it with you people. You, she called me, you wretched beasts. She called wow. us, you wretched beasts. Wow. And we'd have to finish it for opening night. Or she would finish it. Halston would costume it. We would do the opening night. And then I love the interlock and ambience here <laughs> yeah, in yeah. the Stone we're, Student we're Center in where the it all stone, began. We're in the Stone mm -hmm. Lobby. Indeed. Um, Just chatting like students before. But Martha would call us back into the studio after opening nights and change the whole thing. And Halston would recostume it for the second wow. night. That happened, in, I remember, in a piece called Shadows to a Minotti score. Oh, oh, so yeah. we had to be ready for anything. Wow. Really. And then when you stayed in the company till what year? Uh, steadily through 79, I left to have my own company, but I returned to guest perform until 87. And what, this is a question I'm curious about, like in the dance world at that time, when the AIDS crisis hit, hmm. what did that feel like being inside of the dance community in New York? In New York. Um, all right, I missed it. I didn't come out until I moved to Ann Arbor. I, I left uh, New York first in 83 to take on the uh, company teacher position 
under Bob Cohen at the London Contemporary Dance Theater. Mm-hmm. I, I, went, I moved to London thinking I was going to live in, in England. I had spent five years working all over the world to raise money to have a, an annual season of my own Peter Sparling Dance Company at the Riverside Dance Festival. That was the venue at the time mm-hmm. where independent choreographers could, fledgling companies could get their start. But that little theater, I don't know if you've ever been up there. I don't know if it's still existing. David Mannion ran it. He would, was really a service to so many young dancers. Mark Morris performed his first works there. Mm-hmm. Elisa Monte. I mean, it was, it was an interesting place. Anyways, I got burnt out and decided I'd, I'd take this job in London. Um, came back to visit parents in uh, Michigan and heard that there was a job opening at University of Michigan. So I... I decided I would. Uh, I needed to grow roots and get a pension plan, some some kind of security for my future. And uh, I started teaching in Ann Arbor one semester a year, but kept my apartment in New York and continued to dance with Martha. And then eventually, it became very clear to me that uh, I wanted to be in Ann Arbor. The resources, the space, the funding—it was great. And I realized that it was time for me to face my inner shiftings, my inner demons, if you will, and uh, come out. So I fell in love with a photographer, I, I came out, I, and, and it was still at the time, at this point? no, 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 we, we were together from 73 till about 78, mm. and uh, deeply in love, but also deeply ambitious, and when she went mm. with uh, Twyla, and I was becoming more and more uh, involved with the Graham Company, uh, modeling for Halston. Uh, Janet and I did fashion shows for Halston where we, he, he had us choreograph the, the lead-ins and outs up and down the runway. It was, it was really terrific. Going to Studio 54, of course, that whole bit. That's a whole other story, which, will, which I will not relate in, in, in this moment. <laughs> I mean, two of your memoirs. Uh, that's, that's, gonna, that's how those books are going to really fly off yeah. the shelf. It's going to be the, but the long Studio story 54 short, Long story short, I didn't hear about the, the sickness, the mm. plague, or mm. what was going on until I was in Michigan. So I was, oh. I was a step removed. And as I heard about my friends, I remember doing long-distance phone calls with Tim Wangard, who was a dear dear, dear friend and an incredible dancer. And then Mario DeLamo, Philip Salvatore, Kevin Keenan. I mean, the fellows just started dropping. And, um, and then the, the, my boyfriend at the time in Ann Arbor was HIV positive, and he was beginning to pass. And so it hit me. It hit me, but I was one step removed. I was not in New York. Right. I was at a distance. And so I did not encounter... But it was the, your boyfriend here as well. Yeah, yeah. And he passed. He did. Uh, I'm as, so sorry. As did my youngest brother. So oh. it, it hit me deeply, but I wasn't in the midst of the plague, if you will. I wasn't in New York. I wasn't right. on the streets. I didn't experience what many dancers did, or people in the arts and in performance did. Um, We're just like everyone was sort of wiped out. Yeah, yeah. And it really has created this thing. And I mean, when I begin teaching at the beginning of the semester, I talk about the gap that happened in a generation before my generation that's here to help their generation. And so that we're always dealing with this shadow, this mm-hmm. long shadow mm-hmm. that 
is a lot, so much information. And it, 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 it hit inside of, and the fact that the NEA4 happened during that, that it was like during the AIDS crisis, and then we're also dealing with like budget cuts. And the Reagan administration and the, yeah, of course. It, it, in retrospect, I mean, now that we have a distance and there are films and plays and documentaries, looking back, interviewing people, survivors, I mean, we, we now have a sense of, of how it fits within history, within our life histories and within larger histories. Um, so yes, I think it, it is a responsibility for me and for your generation to yeah. be aware of that. Yeah. And to, um, yeah. And then we re- and then we are lucky that there are the people who survived, like you, who are able to like pass on, and also what it was for your choreography to come out of these legacies. And then your choreographies obviously influence people like um, some of your students who are here now, who are also alums from here. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, the longer the longevity breeds this kind of. Uh, uh, well, gradual uh, dissemination of influence, spheres of influence. You begin right. to be aware of generationally of how the ripple effect. Of, yeah. uh, and it's, it's very satisfying. It's deeply satisfying to know that one has made an impact, hopefully positive. Uh, you have, so, Peter. Yeah. It's very clear. It's, uh, well, this interlocking is it's so unique. I mean, yeah. this, this breeds that kind of fierce... Uh, allegiance among alums and I mean those of us who were together at this place um, at such a formative time in our lives yeah uh, it's, I think it's pretty unique it was also you know unlike like an arts magnet school in a big city we were all boarding here we all left yeah. our homes yeah. and were alone for the first time mm-hmm. trying to figure out who we were and who we would be with and who we would fall in love with mm-hmm. and whether are we gay are we straight are we you know all of that shit was happening and of course it, it's it's unrequited happened, unrequited, unrequited love longing, revenge <sighs> ambition <laughs> sorrows of young Werther I mean this yeah. like the long walks through the woods in autumn. The Sorrows of Young Werther. I love that you bring up that oh book. Gosh. That's amazing. <laughs> oh, That's so a really deep longing, writing poems yeah. and da 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 da. Yeah. It was very romantic and a deeply And deeply dramatic. Which dramatic. I think also really if you had a sense of if you have a sense of humor and you were talented, things would bode well for you upon exiting here. It was my first experience, um, in a sense, with a with a, a closeted gay community because there was a large right. there was a there was a I, I didn't really know about this, but mm. there was a, a, a gay contingent, mm. and uh, I mean, years and years later, I'm hearing stories about what was actually happening in the dorms that I knew I, nothing <laughs> about, and I didn't have any of that experience either. One would think Nor I really I. would have, but I was so. <laughs> Well, I was very like, I came here on scholarship and I was like, I've got to use this for every drop it can get me for my next thing. Really? Like, well, I didn't come from anything and I needed to get away. I had to get to New York. So when I got into (laughs) here, I was like, this will be a springboard to my next scholarship, which will be my springboard to my next whatever. Like it was really, so I didn't, I didn't, you know, do a lot of. The interlocking connection. Uh, Kind of jumping out of that, that's a whole other subject we can talk about, but, you know, I think of the alums who came out of Interlock, and at least of my generation, it was Janet Elber, Angeline Wolf, who went on with Jennifer Muller, also danced with Lar for a short while. Mm -hmm. I remember when one of Lar's dancers had an injury, 
Angie jumped in at the last minute and premiered the, the Brahms Symphony, I remember that. Um, Christopher Palafian, gorgeous dancer. Um, oh my gosh, Shelley Washington. Uh, Betsy Fisher, who went on to dance with Murray Lewis. Uh, a host of, of, of alums. Uh, and, uh, and then all the musician friends that yeah. I had before I started dancing. Yeah. Uh, Did you, you ever know. think about coming to run the program here? Yes, but I, it, it, it was the next thought was then, could I live in such an isolated Honey. We have that conversation all the time. Honey. Could I survive? Yeah. And it's I, one know, thing to be a student here with all your friends and yeah. be so busy, but to be a teacher here is, seems it's very challenging. I said I work here for, and I was here for six weeks, and it was an incredible residency, and I made a solo on myself for New York while I was here, but I was definitely like... Did you ever see Opening Night by Cassavetes with Jenna Rollins? Oh, it's incredible. It's I such an amazing faces movie. And but it's where she's an actress and she ends up sort of being haunted by her inner child. Um, which is this, she sees this young fan girl get hit by a car and then she starts re-envisioning her. But it's sort of more like she's a young version of herself is sort of what she's beginning to see. And I was like, I felt like that's what was going to happen to me here. <laughs> I was being haunted by the super ego I created at 17 at yeah, Interlochen. Right, oh right. my god. Yeah. I mean, it is like, you, you, you have to, you, you're, you're stepping back into skins you thought you shed, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it is really that. Peter, I can't thank you enough for making time for us today. Oh, you're so welcome. To speak with us, and we're going to stay in touch. Yes. And I'm excited for these memoirs, and we're going to like, Look around New York for the right editor publisher for that. It'd <laughs> be thrilling. I'm a, I'm a queen who can who can figure those things out. <laughs> yes, and we'll send you links to the podcast so you can listen to this. Absolutely, yep. what, what a thrill! Such it was, a it thrill. Was a joy, and let's let's thank Interlochen for bringing us together. Thank you, Interlochen. We love you. Sound the call. Sound the call. <laughs> back to that party real quick to say goodnight to people and we're back in the murder cabin and there's this awful sound and I was like what the fuck is that and I realized it's the whoever is like in the cabin next to us like it's all one cabin with like a thin shitty wall and I can hear Reed's taking a dump you really are you like that cafeteria food hit you hard girl it's not great Shrimps on skewers and ra- ramen noodles with no kind of sauce or broth. It was bizarre. <laughs> so gross. So bizarre. <laughs> it was so gross. Oh yuck! And it's really I've I've been like very dainty picking at whatever the food was, but I think you ate too much of it. So this is like this. Additionally, like made a quesadilla in the panini grill with like cheese and spinach on a gigantic tortilla. Yuck. I can't imagine eating that, like, processed cheese in there. Um, and there's, like, this rumble sound, and I'm like, what the fuck is that? And it's right by your heads, and it is some person snoring. I'm going to put my phone by the wall and see if you can hear it. I don't know. I put my phone by the wall. I don't know if it'll come through. Jeremy will, will check to see if... Tell them about the fun game that we've been playing about who we would fuck. <laughs> 
is it a fun game? I mean, we were basically just like, who that we went to school with, who's here this weekend, would we sleep with? I think that's the most common game ever played at a high school reunion. I think it is the most common game ever played at a high school reunion. Um, also annoyingly, or not annoyingly, I mean, it's, I guess it makes sense because we're on Instagram all the time together. Who asked you if we were married? Reed. Reed. What? Who asked you if we were married? Leslie Williams. Le- what did she say? I haven't met your husband? Uh-huh. What yeah, you- she was like, she was like, oh, I, um, maybe she had seen you or something. Uh-huh. She was like, I haven't met your husband yet. And I was like, my husband. <laughs> <laughs> Leave me alone. No, that. queen. Nope. I can't believe you are wearing long underwear. It was like full 65 degrees today. Oh, I got so cold earlier. I had to put on long underwear. I start wearing <laughs> long underwear as soon as the temperature drops below 70. <laughs> Anyhow... That's it for, like, the end of the night in Murder Cabin. Okay. Hi, and everybody. Hey, everybody. So, <laughs> we're in a in a cab back in New York. I, I feel like I'm dying. The reunion's over. The, the reunion is really over. and two days to get home. Yeah, we were supposed to leave yesterday at a Traverse City at 7 p.m., getting uh, back to New York at about midnight. And then at 8, they were like, your plane's been delayed. And then at 9, they were like, the plane that you're going to be going on hasn't left Chicago yet. And we were like, what? And they were like, well, there's only one plane, and um, it's broken. And so maintenance is trying to fix it in Chicago. Welcome to America. This is American Airlines. Just uh, like what we're named after. We're going to treat you like shit, and you're going to pay for it. It was bad. It was so bad. And then that plane, I guess, got fixed at around 9.30 in Chicago. So it got to Traverse City at around 10. And they were like, you'll have um, a hotel and meal voucher when you get to Chicago. And we get to Chicago. The hotels aren't ready. Um, they're what like, does sorry. What mean, though? The hotels aren't ready. They, they mean, were they like, were ready. No, yeah, there was totally rooms available, but they were like, you know, the, they were like, um, sorry, we, you know, didn't, uh, we just couldn't get these vouchers together in the three-hour delay that you had. I, I don't know. It doesn't make sense. I mean, I don't know the logistics of it, but it was wild. It was wild. So then we waited for an hour, uh, about an hour and a half. And then um, we took a cab to a hotel that was about 20, 20 minutes, minutes away, away from, from the, the airport. airport. Crazy. <laughs> because we couldn't use the Hilton at the airport. Which is attached to the airport. Uh-huh. That was just my assumption. And I had to get on a 6 a.m. flight because I have to teach a bar today. So that meant we got about two and a half hours of sleep and then got back in the cab and went to the airport. And, um, yeah. and now here we are in New York. And, and like shortly before boarding the plane to New York, I was like... I'm gone. Like, my spirit is outside my body now. Yep. And then I fell asleep on the plane in such a hard way that, like, when I when I woke up, it was like that scene in the movie Seven where they, where the guy, they go in that room and there's that corpse on the bed and then suddenly it wakes up because it's actually not dead. It's, like, all dried up. <laughs> That's, That's so hideous. Like. Yeah, just surrounded by, um, you know, breath Ugh. fresheners. Or wait, oh, air, yeah. fresheners, mm-hmm. air fresheners, air fresheners. Air fresheners, because like the body was rotting. Yeah, so there were all those like, I don't tree remember what their, their 
sin was sloth, I think. Um, I think he, like, molested kids or something, so he got tortured, you know, for a few years on, like, a food pump. God. Um. That movie was really scary. That movie was hideous, and I saw it when I was in the eighth grade. Oh, my God. And I remember just being, like, so, so, like, leaving the theater and feeling totally terrified and and rural was nonsense. Um, so this is, you know, that was our PSA for that. American Airlines is basically like Kevin Spacey in Seven. Anyways. And it's, it's going to torture you. We it's finished a- the reunion and stuff happened and we saw people and people cried because, like, sad. And we, there was, like, a coffee house where people performed and it was outrageous because, like, some people understood what the concept was. Like, you should get up and briefly do a thing that is fun for everybody. And like to tell people what Coffee House was at Interlock and whenever it started, it's like, it's called Coffee House, meaning there's, like, coffee and cookies and you, like, get up and, and our generation would sing, like, Tori Amos or an Indigo Girls song. It's a casual performance or environment. Like, like, Greg Kajiwara would get up and, like, throw flags around, like, literally color guard in uh, this, like, place where the choir rehearses. He would do color guard to Tori Amos. It's just, like, so people didn't understand because they were from other generations and like this like 70 year old woman got up and started playing Rachmaninoff which was like kind of fierce and then she stopped and then she started playing Bach and we were all like wait what's happening and there was like 25 people that needed to go and everyone was like wasting 10 to 15 minutes and I was like this isn't okay it was great yeah 25 people had signed up and um it was durational it was a durational it was we left we we would step out and and talk about other things and then come back in and oh wow and then there were these parties that would happen at a cabin and everyone would come and talk about what had so, happened to it them was so loud over the there years. was so much talking so much talking yeah a lot of... I thought I was getting a sore throat from, but then it was really just from the talking and I took wellness formula and everything was okay because I always carry wellness formula with me in a tincture form um and we used the gym. We used the there's gym twice. There's a gym. Yeah, there's... Literally a, unused. A, a really <laughs> glamorous gym that no one's ever in because it's an arts <laughs> academy. And um, so I gave myself a full advanced Cadillac. Yeah. And uh, that's Pilates Some, terms. Some, like, old lady died and, like, bequeathed the school money and they had to use it for a gym. They had... That was what her thing was. Mm-hmm. She was like, you need to use it for yep, a gym. Yeah, she was like, I'm going to leave you $2 million. It has to be a gym. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> like, the last thing they could ever need. That's amazing. I didn't know that part of the story uh-huh. um uh I, my mind is so fragmented well uh at coffee house we got to hear our lady jay and lance horn mm-hmm. and roy who now goes by sydney and beth bartley alexa and angela alexa and angela this um, woman from the 80s got up and she was like i was a writing major but i liked the acting program so i tried to act i tried to audition for a show once and they wouldn't let me so anyways i lived with an actress and um so i lived vicariously through her and she's encouraged me to um whatever like do a, performance art no she's encouraged me to like approach my demons but that's not how you say that um, okay. My, well, you know, she's encouraged my me. To, no, she's live encouraged them. me to like Express. live out this experience that mm-hmm. I never had, so that I don't have regrets. Uh-huh. And so she got up and she told this whole story, and then she sang a duet from the musical Wicked, but like with a synth file and a recorded track of this other woman not at the reunion singing uh-huh. the other part of the duet, and she like truly can't sing. It was wild. I really feel like that's. I, I should recreate that for like a Judson. Yeah. yeah it sounds it like a really good performance for a piece. That's really good. It would people would really it's a 
It's a real set your teeth on edge performance art. And then somebody who I've seen at literally all of Jack's shows was we saw him at the Traverse City Airport oh, and he spent so the entire nice. like debacle with us, which he was did. Nice. It was so nice. He's a, it's always nice to have a fan with you. <laughs> yeah, it was really great. We got to put on shows for him from like uh, the Traverse City Airport to where were we? O'Hare. Oh my gosh. And that was so amazing. He's incredible. He's from Michigan. He's from Traverse City. Yeah. A real Midwest boy who, like, found his way into psychotherapy. Was envious of the interlocking kids. And now comes to see performance shows in New York. And he had just seen Beth Gill's show, which was, like, and he goes, and we were like, who do you see Beth Gill's show with? And he was like, myself. I love that. I know. It's so good. It's a real... Way to go. We, we won't we no. won't expose his anonymity. He's like, I'm not in dance, but I started seeing work by, like, Terry O'Connor and John Jaspers. I really liked it. And we were like, what? Yeah. Like, yeah, that's that so bananas. Amazing. It's, like, so amazing. Because I was like, how did you start seeing my work? I don't get it. I was like, who were you fucking that, like, brought you to the, <laughs> to the show? And he was like, no, no. I, people had told me that if I liked, you know, Terry and John, I'd, I'd like coming to see your work. So, and he's been seeing it since, um... 1985. <laughs> So rude. It's really good. <laughs> My work since 1985. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, what was your takeaway? I had a thought during the Chamber Singers concert, which was like... I I was watching it in like in a kind of overly discerning way. Mm. I was like, God, like this is not great. This wasn't great. And then I was like, these kids are kids. They're like right. in high school and they're doing this extraordinary thing. And they're being right. given access to like an extraordinary amount of information and adult kind of repertoire and yeah. and then I thought this is amazing and this is like why I can be discerning now and um, I, I'm so grateful to not be one of these alums who left Interlochen and, and sort of plummeted into disappointment from not being able to pursue their discipline for whatever reason Right. Um, so I'm glad I survived Interlochen and have you know been able to not be unhappy about it since and I would say my takeaway is is similar, especially in when watching, you know, in watching the streetcar rehearsal, which is, you know, always fun to watch high schoolers or <laughs> anyone who's like under the age of thirty do streetcar. Um, that at at its best, Interlochen is a place that's able to to really allow imagination mm-hmm. and uh, a sense of this full potential to burst through and uh, and unfettered and and then give it some especially watching Gulsh's class which was so great give it this some form and tools and it's it's to receive so much information at such a young age I was remembering at the Interlochen Arts Camp I had this Meisner teacher who I was like 16 and he would we would do the, like some of the most intense <laughs> acting exercises I've ever experienced in my entire life. The boundaries of the theater program are a little confusing for me. Well, (laughs) I think I also really uh, learned what I wanted in terms of boundaries, and now that's what I get to teach. Um, We should probably cut that part out, but No, you do whatever you want. Um, It's just real. Anyways, we're going to some other interlocking function in several days for to welcome the new president. That'll be in New York and yeah. Interlock and the good thing, I mean interlocking is the same. It's the same, which is good. <laughs> it's the same. Interlocking is the same. And, and are you glad that we went even though we had this like 16-hour yeah. 
nightmare and I'm we're both underslept. I never leave being like, I wish I hadn't. I'm so ambivalent because I'm so tired and I have to teach today until 7 p.m. Um, so I'm, I'm, <laughs> I, I wish I would have just stayed in New York. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, American Airlines. You really ruin everything. Um, all right, well, that's it. And we love you and thanks. Bye. Thanks for it all. Ugh. <sighs>